box. So the channel just popped, so the board's getting signal. Yeah, I think so. I don't think we're getting any signal out of it. I don't think so. Okay. If we remove that, it is just a battery. It's a new battery. It's kind of hard to do with 9 volts. Oh, sorry. That's true. So we just think the pickups aren't working? I just got like four thumbs up from the back, mid sip of coffee. So, I mean, that's the best way to start worship. Chug a coffee, four thumbs up. It's amazing. Welcome to worship with us at Linworth United Methodist Church. It is every single person here's first time at 1030 worship this year. So you're all new. 
Amazing. I love it. Um, I'm Pastor Anna. On behalf of our pastors and all of our staff, welcome to worship this morning. If you're joining us online, welcome to you as well. Just a note for those of you online joining us, we will be celebrating Holy Communion today. So take a minute or two at some point during the service uh, to find something akin to bread and juice and uh, join us for communion as well. Well, let me say a prayer for us before we uh, worship God in song. Holy God, we come before you today humbled by your gift of uh, life in this new year for each of us. And we thank you for the opportunity to start this new year in worship together in this place. We ask that you would speak to us in the ways that we need and in the ways that we don't yet know that we need, that we might be fed by your word and nourished at this table and filled with community. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, Linworth. Good morning, Linworth. All right. For those of you who can stand, please stand with me. And I just want you to think about all the ways God has kept you this week. He's protected you. He's loved on you. Just think about those things, all right? I know sometimes we move along about, you know, throughout life and we're just doing what we do and we don't realize that God is the one that's actually driving all of these things. He's the one that gives us life. And so just meditate on those things today. You ready? Ready to worship? Yeah. All right. Oh, God. 
glorious day. You called my name.
to pass the peace of Jesus Christ with one another. And Pastor Brian had first service take a minute to share uh, with a neighbor what you did to ring in the new year. Um, so why don't you try that this service too? Just look at your neighbor, briefly share, what, what did you do to ring in the new year? And if you're joining us online, the peace of Jesus Christ be with you. As you're settling back into your seats, I'd like to invite our children to come for a few minutes to spend some time with Miss Michelle. Come on up, friends. Good morning. How is everybody? You guys all still sleeping? All right, so I have a question for you. How many of you have ever gone on a trip before? What did you have to do to prepare for your trip? Ava? You had to pack your suitcase. What else? Yeah. You had to get ready. Yeah. Yeah, get in the car. How did you find where you were going, or how did your parents find where they were going? Xander. Using a map, yeah. Ava. Yeah, on their phone, looking where to go, that GPS. How many of you have ever gone to the zoo? Yeah, how do you find the exhibits that you want to go find if you've never been there before? Yeah, another map, awesome. Might look a little bit different than the map we use when we go on a trip on the road in the car, right? What if you're hiking in the woods? What could you use? Yeah, a map or a compass. Now, how many of you have ever used a star to help you find where you're going? 
Have you ever used a star to help you work? In a story? Yeah. Well, a long time ago, a little bit after Jesus was born, God sent some special visitors to him. They were men who lived far away, and they had studied scripture and watched the stars. They knew that God had promised to send a Messiah to rescue people. Who were those three men? Do you guys remember? Yeah. The wise men, yes. And as they were traveling, they used that star to show them where to go to find the Messiah. And when they found him with Mary and Joseph, they presented baby Jesus with some gifts. Do you guys remember what those gifts were? Xander? Ava? Frankincense, gold, and myrrh. Good. Awesome. And so then they trusted, they used that star, and they trusted God to lead them. Well, God has given us a kind of map to help lead us through our lives. What map do you think God has given us to help us in our lives? Yeah, Bela. What? Ooh, your heart. I like that. That's a good one. Xander? Yeah, that's another good one. What about the Bible? You think God gave us, we have those Bible, the stories in the Bible to help guide us, right? So just like a compass always points north, the Bible is going to point us to Christ, okay? So go ahead and let's see your praying hands. And I want you to repeat after me. Dear God, you are the light that guides our way. Thank you for the Bible that leads us to you. Amen. All right, now you guys can walk carefully and quietly up to Sunday school. Well, good morning again, church. My name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here. It is good to be with you. And um, on the way in today through the lobby, I heard some chatter, some enthusiasm, some excitement as people discovered that there was, in fact, coffee on service out there. Were we excited to have coffee back? It has taken a long time to get coffee back on a Sunday morning, and one of the main reasons is that we don't do anything around here that stresses our volunteer capacity as a church. We want to make sure that we have the volunteers to do anything that we do uh, really well and with excellence. And what I will say is this is kind of like a field of dreams type of situation where we've built it and they will come. And so if you are that enthused about coffee, sign up and be a part of that team. There are spots. You can help every single week. You can help once a month. You can help whatever works in your schedule. We need people to be part of our rejuvenated Connections team, and you can talk to Stephanie, our amazing Connections coordinator. Stephanie, wave your hand to people that might not know who you are. You can talk to Stephanie, get involved, making coffee as a greeter, as an usher, however you want to serve, making this place a hospitable environment, not just for all of us that love this church, but for every person that comes in for the first time, creating a new and unique and exciting experience for them. So that's really important to us. Um, a couple other things happen in, in the life of our church. We have a book of the month for January. The book is inspired by the author Rachel Held Evans. Um, we are diving into this book as a whole church. We're inviting everyone to read along with it. There's some opportunities to engage in discussion. Um, let me just say, I did not select this book. I did not pr uh, propose this book as part of the January book club, but I will say this book holds a special place in my heart. It is one of, I would say, my top three books if, if you were to come to 
to me and say, um, what do you believe about God, about faith, about Christianity in the world today? This would be one of three books I would hand you, right? I can rattle those off um, pretty quickly for you. So I can't recommend this one highly enough. I hope you all get a copy. Read along with us in the month of January. If you've read it before, revisit it because it's always worth going back to. Um, the next thing, really excited about an event coming up mid-January on the 15th, Family Skate Night. There's information on the announcement sheet. You can go to limworth.info, uh, visit our website, subscribe to our email newsletter. You can get all the details about Family Skate Night, but we are thrilled uh, and are going to have an amazing time at that. And even if you don't plan to skate, there will be other people not skating as well, just being the community together as a church. So um, overjoyed to have that coming up. So put that on your calendar and plan to join us. Uh, with all of that shared, I want to move now to a time of prayer in our service. And we always start this by sharing prayer concerns from our community and also highlighting a couple of features uh, that we have on a weekly basis, one being our altar flowers, which today are not actually on our altar because of the lovely nativity and communion, but are to the side of the room. The altar flowers were given this week by Cindy Thornton in remembrance of Charlie's heavenly birthday on January 19th. And the bread and water that you see over there are given to the glory of God. Um, as a reminder, we dedicate these items to the glory of God when we don't have a dedication shared with us for any given week. And just a reminder, if you would like to share any type of dedication in honor of, in memory of, in celebration of, in recognition of, in appreciation of, or of any of the other ofs you can think of in your life, you can do so at the link in our email newsletter, on our website, or just stop in or call the church office. Um, the altar flowers are given to represent life, renewal, restoration, resurrection, and the beauty of God. And bread and water are given in honor of the two sacraments of baptism and communion that Jesus himself called his disciples to practice. Um, donations given to the flowers pay for the flowers themselves. Donations to the bread and water go directly to our mission fund to help people in our community. Uh, as we go on in our prayer requests today, we also pray for Mike Wiswell, who is a member of our church family, who is in the hospital on a planned stay recovering from surgery, and I hear he is doing quite well. Uh, today we're celebrating Rick and Linda Higgins, who were in attendance at our first service. Today is their 56th wedding anniversary, so we wish them a happy anniversary. It was good to celebrate with them earlier today. And today uh, we pray for Pastor Gene. Pastor Gene is under the weather today. He is feeling better but did not want to share his germs with any of you. So um, I'll take a moment to share my appreciation for Pastor Gene. Not only was I out sick last week, but my whole family was sick last Sunday. And so I called Gene on Friday and said, I'm not going to be there Sunday. And it was a very short conversation because he said, I got it covered and he took my spot on the preaching schedule very last minute. So a huge thanks to him. And so now we are praying for Gene and his swift recovery and praying that there is a day in the near future where your whole church staff is present at full strength together. Let us pray today. Gracious and merciful God, as we gather in this moment of worship on this Epiphany Sunday, we come before you with hearts filled with gratitude and wonder. On this day of revelation and illumination, we celebrate the manifestation of your Son, Jesus Christ, to the world. We marvel at the journey of the Magi who followed a star seeking the light of the world. Their quest led them to encounter the infant Jesus, revealing your boundless love for all people, regardless of origin or status. 
Today, O oh God, we celebrate the revelation of Christ's presence, not only to those from afar, but to teach each one of us. In the midst of our daily lives, amidst challenges and joys, may we encounter anew the profound truth of your love made tangible in Jesus Christ. Grant us the wisdom like the Magi to seek you diligently, to recognize your presence in unexpected places, and to follow your guiding light through the darkness. Lord, may the light of Christ shine in the places of our world overshadowed by despair, conflict, and uncertainty. May it bring hope where there is hopelessness, peace where there is turmoil, and healing where there is brokenness. In confidence of your love, we lift the prayers of our community to you today. Help us, O oh God, to become bearers of this light. Empower us to share it generously with others, to bring comfort to the grieving, kindness to the lonely, and compassion to the marginalized. In this season of revelation, open our eyes to the beauty of your creation, the sacredness of every person, and the richness of diverse cultures and traditions. Guide us, O oh God, in our ongoing journey. Lead us to deeper understanding and connection with you, that our lives may radiate the brilliance of your love and grace. We offer this prayer in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, and the light of the world. Amen. Well, last weekend I was traveling with my family to see some of my extended family, but, um, you know, Pastor Brian was sick last weekend and Pastor Jean is sick this weekend. I feel like maybe I should stop at the pharmacy on the way home and get some emergency or something. Uh, but yes, we do uh, dream of this season when all of us, not, not just our pastoral staff but, or, and our staff in general, but with the times when we're all well. So take care of yourselves. Wash your hands. Mainly I say that to my kiddo who's not here, like, wash your hands. Anyway, uh, as we prepare for a time of offering, we will receive a musical offering, but at our contemporary service, we don't pass the plates, but there are offering boxes in the back uh, that if you would like to leave your tithe or your offering that you brought today, you can do so. But I want to share with you that throughout the holiday season, we had the opportunity to provide some alternative gifts. Uh, so if you wanted to get a little something for the person who has everything, you could support some of our mission partnerships by doing that. And I wanted to share some of the figures that we were able to um, to contribute to three of our many missional partners. We were able to raise $1,050 for New Life Community Outreach, $1,550 for our Laos Mission Initiative, and $2,260 for our Hilliard Adopt-A-House Habitat for Humanity Partnership. We get to do all of these things and so many more because of your generosity. And so as we continue in worship through song, uh, I pray that God would pour out a spirit of generosity upon you.
Our scripture reading for today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the, city of, in the land of Judah, and by no means least among the rulers of Judah... For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out and there ahead of them went uh, the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of this word today. Amen. So when I was little, I grew up playing volleyball. And when I say that I grew up playing volleyball, I mean that I loved the sport because I had to be there. Uh, my mom kept the, the book of the volleyball team in my hometown, and so uh, even when I was as young as my own kid's age, I was the ball girl for the Upper Sandusky Lady Rams. Okay, I was expecting some applause, but you know, it was a ball girl, kind of a big deal. I think I maybe only took like two spikes to the face. Um, yeah, that's... That's another story. But one of the things that I loved as I watched what I called the big girls play was the, the sort of pageantry that came about in the substituting of players in volleyball. Now, I know the rules have changed since the good old days uh, in the 90s when I played volleyball because now there's a new position, the libero and all of that. And if you have no idea what that word means, don't worry about it. It doesn't matter that much. But when I was first learning the sport of volleyball, if you wanted to substitute players, you had to notify the referee that a substitution was going to be made, wait to be acknowledged, a player would come off of the bench and would line up toe-to-toe -to -toe over the line of the court, and you would wait until the referee notated the substitution on the card, and then there was this sort of like hand jive, tush, slap, hip bump thing that girls would do, like depending on if the person that was subbing in for you was a friend, and then the substitution would be made. I, I loved the pageantry of it all. And interestingly, for somebody who's not like really sportsy 
Um, I, as an adult, have found myself strangely planted in the world of hockey fandom. Uh, my family and I have enjoyed uh, watching the Blue Jackets. We really like it when they win, but that doesn't happen very much right now. Um, in fact, just last night we were at a losing game. Um, there was a hat trick, it was still a good time. But one of the things that I didn't understand when I first started watching hockey, and to be honest, I'm still not quite sure I understand this, substitutions in hockey are bananas. It's just insanity. Um, if you've never watched hockey, it's called a line change. And what happens is like two or three players, the, the members of the line, they go flying towards the bench in the middle of play. It kind of looks like they just fall over the wall as two or three other players launch themselves off of the bench to get down to the end where play is happening. And it kind of just looks like chaos. Now what was happening last night at the game, which is an interesting thing being a Blue Jackets fan, is we received a penalty for too many men on the ice. Now you would think if you're substituting player for player, how could you end up with an extra player on the ice? But when you have seen a line change, you might understand how somebody just forgets and they don't get off the ice in time and you receive a penalty. Now why is Pastorina telling us all this junk about hockey? Well, I was listening to the father sitting in front of me explaining the penalty to his daughter. And she said, I just don't understand why it's a problem if there's an extra guy out there. I mean, kid logic, it seems pretty rational. But her dad very tenderly said, well, honey, rules exist to keep things fair and even. Okay, that seems valid. But I often think about the rules that exist in this space. Now, not just Linworth United Methodist Church, but church in general. Churches tend to be a place where there are lots of rules, whether they're spoken um, or unspoken. Sometimes it's the unspoken rules that are the most dangerous. You know, sit here, stand up now, say this, don't do that. If your baby's crying, take them out. If, if you have your coffee, leave it in the back, which for the record, neither of those are rules that we have. We love your squirming kids, your crying babies, and we love watching you tote your coffee into this space. But there is still some truth to the fact that rules and expectations abide sometimes in benevolence to keep things fair and even, but oftentimes even fairness is exclusionary. So similar to the daughter last night who sat in front of me trying to make sense of this really confusing game, we look at the story that Pastor Brian just read for us, the story that we typically relate to this Sunday called Epiphany, and we don't really know what happened. We, we think we do. We read a lot of things into the story. We make all sorts of assumptions about who came and with what friends, with which gifts, but we don't know a lot about what happened it seems to me that in this story, God is taking the entire rule book and throwing it out. God is using a multitude of methods to get people to experience Jesus. God is broadening the whole story through Jesus. And so God is using all sorts of tools and strategy in this story. And we have strikingly little detail about the people who sought Jesus that 
we call wise ones. And I, I know that I've quoted her before, but I'd like to quote again for you a little excerpt from a sermon from Nadia Boltz Weber. She says, they were magi, as in magicians, and not the cute kind that you hire for your kid's birthday party. More likely, they were opportunistic, pagan, soothsaying, tarot card-reading astrologers. And yet history made them out to be kings, maybe because the reality that they were magicians is too distasteful, since no one really wants the weird fortune-teller lady from the circus with her scarves and crystal balls to be the first to discover the birth of our Lord. And yet, and yet these are the people that seek Jesus. They're the ones that tell about Jesus. And for as much as we try to tell about the divine, any ways that we try to describe and contain the divine won't work for us. Any ways that we try this will fall short. Any rules we make, let's be clear, are meant to serve us and not God. And sometimes when people who make us feel a little uncomfortable are the ones who find Jesus, we don't know how to handle ourselves. When the rules get altered, we don't know how to function. Now, I'm not saying that we should throw out rules entirely. I'm simply saying that this story is an invitation to look beyond the rules we think we know. As Kristen Saylor writes, and I quote, despite our best efforts to describe and contain the divine, our God cannot and will not be put in a box. The story of Epiphany is a beautiful testament to the ways in which God transcends all human categories and constantly disrupts our expectations of where and how and to whom God will appear. And she concludes, God is an opportunist who will use any tools at her disposal to draw us back to her love. Now, one of my most favorite examples of living in spite of the rules is the story of Oscar Schindler. And I, I debated whether or not to talk about Oscar Schindler in worship today because initially I thought, oh, everybody knows Oscar Schindler. Everybody's seen Schindler's List. But as I was talking to um, a member of a generation, at least one younger than mine, I realized that, <clears throat> buckle up friends, Schindler's List came out 31 years ago. 31. So there are many people who have never heard the story of Oscar Schindler, and if you have, hear it again, and then uh, everybody can go rewatch the movie. But Oscar Schindler was um, a German businessman during World War II who was initially motivated by profit. You have to claim that part of his story. And he employed Jewish workers in his enamelware and ammunitions factories in Nazi-occupied Poland. But as he became more aware of the atrocities committed by the Nazis and witnessed the suffering of Jewish people, his perspective shifted. He began to use his influence and his wealth to bend and break the rules of the Nazi regime. He went to great lengths to protect his Jewish workers from deportation and extermination. He falsified documents. He bribed officials and he risked his own safety to ensure the safety of over a thousand Jewish men, women, and children who worked in his factories. 
Now, despite operating within the framework of this brutal regime, Schindler took extraordinary measures to care for the people he employed. His actions were a defiance of the rules that the Nazi authorities had set, and they were a testament to the power of compassion and humanity in the face of oppression. His story illustrates how individuals can make a difference by challenging oppressive systems and prioritizing the well-being of others over the adherence to rules. Even today, if you visit Oscar Schindler's grave in Jerusalem, and that's a privilege that I have had in 2014, Garrett and I visited uh, the cemetery where Oscar Schindler is buried. Even today, if you go, you will find Oscar Schindler's grave covered in stones, little, little tiny rocks, because, and while there are people beyond the Jewish tradition who do this, the Jewish tradition says the way to pay respect to a Jewish person who has died is to place a rock on their tomb. Rocks are often identified with God in the Hebrew Bible. Uh, Jew Jewish tradition states that you shouldn't put flowers on a person's grave because the money you spent to buy the flowers should have been spent for charity and that flowers wither and fade but rocks endure. And finally, a rock is not a thing that would be corrupted by a dead body as far as purity laws are concerned. So to leave a rock on a tombstone is the highest honor of Jewish mourning custom. And so Oscar Schindler's grave, even today, and he himself was not Jewish, is covered in rocks. Maybe Epiphany, this story helps us to remember that we have to look outside of the rule book, not only for how we operate in faith, but how we relate to others who are seeking Jesus. This sometimes familiar but often misremembered story is a reminder that unexpected people are truly seeking Jesus. And in fact, all of creation points to the wonders of God and if who we believe we already know the way, if we think we already know the way, we might want to humble ourselves and understand that the way might be outside of our comfort and control. And so when things around us or even things within us, especially in seasons of substitutions or transitions feel chaotic as we face a new year let us remember that it was in the midst of a homicidal ruler who was threatened by a baby that gifts were brought to Jesus by some star following workers of wonders they found him and they were transformed and they went home another way so may this coming year be a year of new directions for you too as you seek to find Jesus in your life. One of my favorite parts about our life together in a faith community and uh, in this church is that at this communion table, there are no rules. The only rule is that you seek to follow Jesus with your whole heart. And so all are invited to this table because Jesus Christ is our host. When the time comes for you to receive communion, you will be invited to come forward. You'll receive a piece of bread, and then you'll move over and receive a cup of juice. You can take the elements and then dispose of your cup in the, uh, in the bowl on the side. And then you'll also see that there are baskets, which um, if we can have somebody, Matt, can you find a basket for that? Uh, 
should be around the corner. Uh, after first service, our basket didn't get put back. Um, uh, those baskets are important because they serve to receive our Johansson Fund offering, which is uh, it's a special offering that we take on Communion Sunday so that we can provide for the immediate needs of our neighbors. Uh, things like needing a little bit of help with a grocery, uh, a grocery trip or needing to pay a utility bill before it's disconnected. And we get to provide those things for our neighbors because of this Johansson Fund offering. And finally, uh, if you do need gluten-free communion, please indicate to the servers and we would be glad to accommodate that for you. And so with all of these things, I invite you to join me in our prayers of great thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. Before the mountains were brought forth or you had formed the earth from everlasting to everlasting, you alone are God. You created light out of darkness and brought forth life on earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ, in whom you have revealed yourself our light and our salvation. You sent a star to guide wise men to where the Christ was born, and in your signs and witnesses in every age through all the world, you have led your people from far places to his light. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ, Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and cup. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we might be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your spirit make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at the heavenly banquet. 
through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. And now with the confidence of the children of God, we pray together the words that Jesus teaches us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are made one as the body of Christ. And just as we share in the one cup, we share in the salvation offered to us through Jesus Christ so that we might be for the world the body and blood of Christ. The table has been prepared for each of us, for all of us, and you are invited now to come and dine.
that you continue to nourish us, to sustain us by your word at this table and with this community. And as we are called to uh, journey after you, journey towards you and journey with you, we ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to understand where, uh, where others are seeking you as well, even when they seem like people who are unexpected. And help us to remember that when we are given orders by those who seek to oppress and destroy, that you have called us to faithful opposition so that each and every person can know you. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, who bids us go out into the world to be of service, and you are called to go and follow after Jesus Christ. Amen. Your blood will never 